The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at TNTradio.live. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dirk Pullman Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Willkommen, Germany. Welcome to the Dirk Pullman Show. My guest today is Jürgen Rose, former Lieutenant Colonel of the Bundeswehr, the German Armed Forces. And uh, we had an expression, I was a member too, <laughs> expression which was citizen soldier or um, citizen in uniform, which meant that um, as a consequence of World War II, there should be some independent mindset in the heads of the people, especially if they were officers, because of all the crimes that German officers in World War II were involved in, and there was not enough courage on the civilian side, or what we call civil courage, which we should include the officers. So he is one of these persons. He is an independent mind. He, he's proven that. He was never shy to get in conflict with his superiors, but only according to the rules that were published. So thank you, Jürgen Rose, for joining me on the show today. Yeah, <clears throat> hello. <laughs> uh, best regards from southern Germany, from Bavaria, from Munich, our capital. <laughs> and um, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm I'm proud to be here, and um, I'm looking forward uh, what we mm. are, will discuss uh, the coming time now. Yeah, um, I have announced you as um, an independent expert. Of course, you have been um, Air Force, but you have been working. In a lot of, let's say, um, scientific and political science, uh, uh, the security policies in this area, you have worked at uh, um, any kind of scientific outlet that the German forces had, but also other ones. So general strategy is also your topic. Um, the first thing that I always wondered, because I listened to our mainstream media in Germany and for a long time and reminded me of... Um, to be a little bit sarcastic uh, uh, of what I know from the end of World War II, when the final victory was close, uh, only weeks away, when everything was in ruins and shatters. So what is the situation in Ukraine, according to your analysis right now? How long can Ukraine sustain, uh, sus uh, still sustain in this uh, situation? How, uh, how long will they be able to fight? Yeah, that's uh, difficult to, to judge uh, due to the fog of war. Uh, we don't really have um, informations um, what's going on. Uh, as, uh, the, the Russians as well as the Ukrainians uh, don't let out uh, the real figures uh, of losses of casualties. And uh, all that we, we can, we, we get only a, a, a small clue of the, what's going on. And of course, you have to refer to, to other um, experts uh, like uh, Colonel McGregor, for instance, or our former uh, general inspector, uh, the, the highest ranked soldier in the German armed forces. This is uh, General Forster, uh, General Harald, Harald Kuyat. And they were, they uh, recently published um, uh, an, an article in a small Swiss publication forum, and uh, Kuyat said uh, that uh, the losses of the Ukrainians are so severe that they um, and so heavy that they will not 
uh, be able uh, to uh, fight uh, for a long time. So the problem is maybe that uh, is that we come to a situation who uh, the famous uh, German philosopher uh, Jürgen Habermas uh, talked uh, a longer time ago, and he said maybe uh, we uh, will get into a situation where, where uh, NATO have, has to decide whether they will join the war with own forces or uh, the uh, uh, Ukrainian regime will have uh, to surrender. But yep. uh, it's difficult to, to, to decide at which point of the war we right now are. Um, it's winter time. Maybe the, also the temperatures, uh, the weather conditions hamper uh, the ongoing of, of operations. We'll see. Uh, it's, it, for my perspective, it's not um, possible to give a really uh, a good um, judgment about the outcoming of that war. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were talking about this, uh, uh, the interview Harald Kujat in uh, Zeitgeschehen, uh, that is the Swiss yeah. publication. You also had a peace proposal together with the former head of the Chancellery, Horst Telchik, who is a, um eminent real Realpolitik man in Germany still. Um, he's in his 80s, I think now, but he know he knew what he did and he knows what he proposes. And there's also the son of former Chancellor Willy Brandt, Peter Brandt, historian, who was uh, in that proposal, and Hajo uh, Funke, who was a professor for history. And they proposed something very reasonable to have Ukraine um, neutral. I think this is a condition without, uh, without which the Russians will not accept anything, that there should be an end to it. Uh, we even heard for some time Uh, that's Simo uh, uh, Hirsch wrote in an article that uh, uh, Putin, Putin's Russia somewhere up there in the chain of command said it would be okay if Ukraine would uh, join NATO. What do you think about that? Uh, have you heard about that? And do you think it's realistic? Yeah, I've read uh, the proposal by the four guys uh, very closely. Um, it's a two-step proposal. The first step is uh, uh, a ceasefire. Yeah. And the second step is uh, very ambitious uh, from my perspective. Uh, it's a real uh, peace plan. Uh, maybe it's over ambitious, but we'll see. The f uh, important is the first step, the ceasefire. And uh, I think uh, this is uh, quite uh, would be quite acceptable also for the Russian regime, because I think the priority number one target uh, of this whole war campaign is To in, in indeed the, to keep the, the Ukraine neutral, um, the fir at first uh, keep the keep it away from a, a NATO membership, and uh, from a Russian perspective, it would be also advisable to keep them away from a EU membership uh, because uh, there's also a uh, 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 hard or, or severe military um, uh, obligation within the Lis Lisboa Treaty, uh, the, uh, the EU treaties. Uh, that's, uh, the, those are the obligations from the former uh, WEU uh, treaty. And this is a direct military obligation, a military support obligation. This is closer than that of Article 5 of NATO. So um, I think the uh, both... Uh, both goals of the uh, regime to, 
strategic goals of the Russian regime are that uh, to to prohibit a membership uh, and a closer integration of Ukraine uh, into the Western alliances. And as long as the war goes on, and also as long as you have just a ceasefire, this strategic goal, this main strategic goal, uh, uh, is reached because um, both um, uh, both uh, uh, organizations, NATO and as well as EU, don't um, let new members join as long as there are unsolved territorial uh, uh, conflicts. And this is, of course, that's the case in, in the Ukraine. The, the Russians um, are, are standing with their troop, troops in, in uh, the southern and uh, eastern parts of Ukraine, as well on, uh, as well as on Crimea. And uh, that's uh, a typical unsolved uh, territorial conflict. Mm. Yeah, the question really is, uh, we have a lot of talk right now of uh, that Ukraine should join the EU. That is on the political agenda of um, the Green Party, I think the Social Democrats as well, the Free Democrats who currently form our government. So um, do you think that, uh, what do you think about this proposal that we have on the Western side that uh, Ukraine should the EU, I mean, they want to join EU and NATO. And um, yeah, my feeling is uh, that this would not be acceptable, but then um, it leads to the second question, how long they can proceed on this track without having the country. I mean, there's already, you could say there's a generation missing. It's uh, it's a terrible situation. Uh, too many refugees, uh, two million refugees, meanwhile, Uh, a lot of them also in in uh, west uh, in germany here in the west where we can see what's what's going on it is like the country is devastated so do you think that is realistic that ukraine could join eu uh, in terms would the russians ever accept something like that well maybe uh, the answer <clears throat> we could we could refer uh, to the to the turkey case because turkey is also on track to join Uh, the EU and you know I don't think they don't how, want that how, any longer <laughs> how long how I think it's uh, it's uh, they are uh, 20 or 30 years they are trying uh, to join uh, EU and maybe uh, they know as you told uh, they no longer want it but uh, uh, in uh, from a realistic uh, view I think uh, there's no uh, near time Uh, uh, joining of uh, Ukraine into the EU, they uh, of course uh, uh, yesterday uh, they decided in in Brussels um, that uh, they will start um, uh, the the talks to join, but uh, this is, uh, is I I think that's also from uh, as a strategical a strategic background because it would have been. Um, very counterproductive uh, to uh, to reject uh, this uh, approach so right now everybody can say uh, uh, except uh, Viktor Orban everybody can say okay the Ukraine is on track to join the EU but uh, I I would be astonished if that will would happen before the end of the century Mm -hmm. So th I think that's a perspective. And uh, this is uh, interesting because uh, 
just some minutes before we talked about um, the proposal of the four guys, uh, Kuyat and et al. There's another very interesting uh, proposal on the table uh, from April this uh, year, uh, but from uh, from Kapchen and Richard and Haas. Haas was uh, the um, boss of the um, of the. Uh, Council of Foreign Relations for a long time, and Caption was an advisor for President Obama, and they mm -hmm. said uh, we need a Plan B, and yes. the Plan B is uh, because we have a, a, a bloody stalemate in in, uh, in in Ukraine to face, and um, uh, we have to to uh, develop uh, another uh, uh, plan. Uh, that's that is uh, that would be better than uh, the ongoing of the war it's, uh, nearly each solution would be better than uh, the killing and the slaughtering and the mass murder in uh, in the door and this they said okay let's um, koreanize uh, the conflict he said also said let's make a ceasefire uh, we have since um, since about 70 years we have had a ceasefire uh, on the Korean theater between North and Southern Korea. Yeah. Uh, that's better than but, war. They, they don't have a peace treaty. They have, it's just a ceasefire. And a similar exactly. situation, <laughs> uh, a similar situation we have in, in Cyprus, in the, in the Mediterranean Sea between uh, Greece and Turkey, uh, about 40 years. And, and uh, that is, you, you just freeze the conflict. And Caption uh, uh, and, and Hase, the advantage of, of this solution would be you can say to the Ukrainians, okay, you have all your rights on your territory and we will support it, but um, you must um, acknowledge that there will be no military solution. You have to solve this problem by diplomatic means. How long uh, it will take? Uh, mm -hmm. Never, nobody can say that. And um, so the uh, the the point is that the Ukrainians must accept that there are no that they have no military means uh, to 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 fight this war any longer and to win that war. And uh, the other question, the other question is how to get the Russians um, on the mm -hmm. table. And they say, okay, uh, the Russians uh, can uh, live with. A ceasefire as long uh, as the uh, unsolved territory conflict continues. On the one hand, on, on the other hand, you can say, "Okay, we we will uh, lose uh, the sanctions, so you will have some advantages if you come to the table, if you are dealing with us, and if you uh, accept also a ceasefire." And this would mean um, not a, a real peaceful situation and uh, not at all uh, a peace treaty but uh, every such such a solution would definitely be better than the situation uh, right now yeah um, i agree with that uh, let's get into that after the advertisements um, my question really is the situation with the peace proposals it was it's quite confusing if you see who is saying what to whom Let's get into that after the ads.
TNT Radio's Kate Shamarani. Don't stop taking prescription medication. Always go and see your indoctrinated GP, always. But with psychiatric drugs, you have to actually wean off them. They're very addictive and you have to wean off them. Now, I find all this really concerning. But what I cannot get my head around is the worst drug of all. They just let it on the market all the time. Sugar, 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 sugar. And then that's not even to bring in like MSG, monosodium glutamate. And and I, if, I, I can say, you know, you go into one of these garages and you see all the people going for food. There's nothing to eat in there. I very rarely can find anything to eat in any of these places. And if you go into the supermarket, there's only the first two aisles that have got real food. The rest, it, it's not food. And I see what people buy. I've covertly actually filmed people's trolleys, not them, don't get all excited, but I have filmed trolleys uh, to have a look what people are buying and it's shocking because what you eat determines what your brain's going to be like and your teenagers' brains do not stop developing till they're about 25 years of age. Kate Shimarani on TNT Radio. Take us back in time and who was Mike Flynn? He was the National Security Advisor to the president. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming president of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's going to protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. At this moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism, or you're talking about communism. Socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism. But the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat, people will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com. Today's News Talk Radio. Now we're talking. TNT. And back with uh, Mr. Jürgen Rose, uh, former Lieutenant Colonel of the United uh, of the German 
uh, Air Force, not United States Air Force, but the German Air Force. <laughs> and uh, we were discussing, you know, the peace proposals. And I was astonished because even Harald Kuya, the former highest officer in Germany, was also chief of NATO for some time. Um, he um, described uh, that what we all have heard that there was a possibility for a peace um, negotiation in May of uh, 2022 and it was stalled by Boris Johnson who came in and said no way their fighting will go on and I'm a little suspicious because Boris Johnson is an easy target to uh, to have now because he's gone he's not in power uh, so it's uh, you can load everything on Boris Johnson now but um, that and then what you describe now is in the Council on Foreign Relations. And also, um, I would like to recall into the mind of the viewers and listeners that you had these papers from the Rand Corporation. They were like scripts. The first one was uh, uh, two really overextending Russia, how to get them into a conflict. And then later on, which said, uh, this is not an advantageous situation for the United States. We might have to seek for an exit. And now you have the Council on Foreign Relations, which is kind of the, uh, let's say, the uh, outlet of uh, of the foreign policy, uh, like RAND. They are important, important think tanks where things that can be reality afterwards or are planned to be reality are first feeded to the public. So why is it really, can you, can you explain that? Why was it impossible to have reasonable peace negotiations in May of 2022? And why these negotiation proposals now? What has changed and what is the purpose? What is going on there? Yeah, of course, uh, you have to take uh, a few on the history of the Ukraine conflict. And um, the case is that uh, it, it's a the, the deeper reasons are lying in the, in the long strategic, geo strategic and geoeconomic um goals of the united states of america they they need europe and they need japan to control the so-called uh heartland as uh mcinder um helford uh, mcinder defined that so they have to be present here in in western europe and also uh at the in, in the pacific uh, area and um after the end of the cold war uh they, uh, there, there was the, the Russians, or at that point of time, still the Soviets, um, trusted in the promises of, of NATO and the U, especially of the US, not to expand NATO uh, to the East. Uh, former uh, Foreign uh, uh, Minister uh, Baker, James Baker, said, uh, no inch, no inch to the East uh, will NATO expand. But uh, this lasted only, as Mark Trachtenberg uh, 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 explained in a, in a real good article, that uh, lasted only uh, several months. And uh, at, at a latest point in time, at, at, nine, in, at the end of 1990, um, they, the United States switched their position. They uh, uh, wanted to, to expand NATO to, uh, to get to the as close to Moscow as, as uh, it would be possible for them. And of course, uh, as Brzezinski um, wrote in his, um, in his uh, uh, book, uh, The Grand uh, Chessboard, um, he, he, under, under the title of uh, 
the black hole, uh, which is very significant for the Ukrainian case. He wrote, of course, uh, uh, it's it's uh, Ukraine can exist uh, when it is, it's integrated to the West, but Russia can't exist without the Ukraine. And this is those are the deep reasons for for mm-hmm. uh, this um, for this development. And uh, af- after twenty uh, and, and the the first um, the first uh, high point in in that conflict was twenty fourteen, when uh, these. Uh, CIA-supported right-wing uh, um, overthrow in, in Kiev happened. The, the old uh, Donbass elite was replaced by uh, the uh, Western elite, the anti-Russian elites, uh, the traditional anti-Russian elites from the West Ukraine, from Galicia, uh, which belonged to uh, the em- em- empire of, of uh, Austria, Hungary, until the end of the First World War. And of course, always in the Western Ukraine, there were, were people living who hated the Russians. Uh, or, uh, what uh, in, in, in a circumstance that's uh, not very well known by most of the people is that until the 1960s, there was a guerrilla activity also supported by the CIA against Mm -hmm. uh, Soviet uh, troops who reconquered uh, the Ukraine from uh, from the Wehrmacht and and Waffen-SS in in 1945. So there were around 15 years of a guerrilla warfare of Ukrainian, uh, of a a Western Ukrainian uh, guerrilla supported by the CIA. And this stopped only after the Soviets um, I, I got to the uh, Security Council of the United Nations and and uh, protested against that. So uh, in 2014, these old anti-Russian elites uh, they took over the power in Kiev and they started to discriminate the Russian population uh, in the U- in the Ukraine, in the Donbas especially, or in all these southern and eastern oblasts, the regions, the old um, administrative regions. Um, uh, and in in in, the, in southern Ukraine and uh, in eastern Ukraine, there were uh, strong Russian minorities, and also on the Krim they have a majority. And the Crimea was uh, an autonomous uh, republic, and um, they have had uh, an uh, 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 own administration, an own government. And uh, in 1995 the Kiev regime uh, decided to push uh, that uh, uh, autonomy uh, regulation away and to integrate uh, the Crimea completely or or to put Crimea completely under the control of the Kiev regime. And this was, um, it it lasted some more years until the overthrow in 2014. And then the population of Crimea uh, decided, okay, we, we were not asked or whether we are in favor of such an overthrow, a new new regime, uh, right now we uh, uh, go we we go out of um, of of the Ukraine and we uh, join uh, the Russian Federation. This was not an an, an action or something else. Um, it was uh, 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 um, legitimized by a referendum 
uh, with uh, uh, an overall majority in favor to do that. So and that in and that in 2014, this was of course this uh, of the events on the Crimea were supported by by Russia also. The um, resistance movements uh, in Odessa, in Mariupol, in uh, in, in Charkov, uh, and also in, in in Lugansk and Donetsk, there were a lot of resistance movement uh, from the Russian population against this overthrow, and this was uh, partially supported by by Russia, and um, all uh, the the resistance were removed by uh, by violent uh, and armed. Um, Ukrainian forces, police, and also military, and also uh, militias, uh, but not in in uh, in a small part of Lugansk and in a smaller part of Donetsk. And at that point in time, 2014, the the West decided to support uh, the new right wing uh, regime in in Ukraine with with all means, and that also meant with military means, uh, and this this meant. Um, they uh, invested a lot of money in the training exercise activities and also in the equipment of uh, of the armed forces of the Ukraine. And uh, they did it for eight years until uh, in end of 2022, 20, uh, beginning of 20, uh, the um, uh, at the end of 21 and the beginning of 22, the actual war started. And uh, a lot of people in the West, and otherwise, we're astonished that uh, the Ukraine, how the Ukrainians decided to fight, and how successful the fight it in the first uh, phase. And um, when, but after several weeks uh, in, in in March of twenty two, the um, there were um, negotiations between uh, the Ukrainians and the Russians uh, under the head of um, Erdogan in Turkey, and uh, both sides. Where uh, wanted wanted to sign as at first a ceasefire treaty, uh, uh, and uh, the main point was uh, that the Ukrainians had to say, okay, uh, we keep we stay neutral, and uh, Russia said, okay, we go back to the lines of uh, the uh, lines before the twenty third of February when the war started, and in, at that situation. Uh, uh, I think uh, Johnson didn't decide decide that on uh, his own. He was sent by the U.S. government, and uh, he went to to Kiev and said, "Okay, uh, guys, uh, are you crazy? We are we pumped uh, billions of uh, pounds, dollars, and euros in your country, in your army, and right now you will uh, after uh, after four weeks you will surrender. No way." You will fight. You will fight for your country. You will fight for us in the West, for the EU and NATO. And so, uh, this this was. Um, uh, there were a lot of other um, uh, uh, people who um, said, "Okay, this was the case." Uh, like Naftali Bennett, the uh, Israeli foreign minister, and also Fiona Hill. Who uh, wrote in 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 uh, on the in in, in the US. Who, she confirmed that, that the things happened. So, and also uh, Harald Kuyat and Harald Kuyat. This was interesting. He he gave a an interview like we do right now, but in in the in a, in a German uh, sta a station called uh, NTV, and uh, 
after and and he, he, he explained the same story like uh, he told the same story as I did just before and uh, then after the end of uh, the broadcast the uh, the uh, the chief of uh, uh, the broadcast set uh, of NTV gave him a call and asked how how can you know that uh, where are your sources and he said i have read it in the ukrainian pravda <laughs> also, <laughs> the, the ukrainian newspaper an official ukrainian newspaper backed by the government uh, has uh, given the information of of uh, Boris Johnson's visit in Kiev and the the events who, uh, which took place at that time. That uh, I think that's a story. You can. I'm completely persuaded that it's true that happened like this, and um, this uh, opens uh, an, a, an a real realistic uh, uh, light on what's going on. In the Ukraine, from the Western perspective, what are the goals of the American, the U.S. empire over there, and the NATO, mm. the whole NATO? I call, I say, I call it also uh, every uh, always NATO stern, NATO stern, mm -hmm. the uh, the the what what NATO NATO has uh, is, is is dominated by the U.S. and follows, of course, uh, what uh, is coming from from Washington from the White House. Mm. Yes, uh, that would have been my next question, but I think you have answered that. Who's running the show in Ukraine? And uh, it, you, you think it's fair to say um, it is uh, NATO under the command of the USA. So we have kind of a NATO war with Russia. Would you say that is appropriate? Of, of course, NATO is fighting a war against Russia uh, by means of the Ukrainian armed forces. But not only of uh, Ukrainian armed forces, but also NATO assets are directly involved uh, in the in the warfare in in Ukraine. Of course, all uh, for instance, uh, J Stars, uh, that, that's an uh, an aircraft uh, which is uh, joint surveillance, targeting, and reconnaissance system. Uh, it uh, this. Um, Uh, checks all out, checks out all or uh, all the uh, movements of uh, uh, forces on the ground. Then you have AVAX, airborne warning and control systems, uh, which controls all the the airspace. The uh, Ukrainian air defense uh, would not be able to work without uh, the support of NATO, uh, because I am coming in, in former times. You mentioned it. I was a German Air Force officer, but I was not a pilot. I was uh, in the air defense. And um, uh, I, I, I have a little clue how our air defense works. And uh, to survive, you have to, to shut off your radars uh, on the ground. And uh, you get uh, the, or the whole reconnaissance, the, 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 uh, what's going on on the battlefield. You get, you get it from AWACS. And uh, in AWACS, there are sitting NATO uh, soldiers. And uh, they are... Um, uh, checking out uh, the battlefield for the Ukrainian air defense, and uh, for instance, from which directions uh, Soviet uh, bo fighter bombers uh, come uh, or um, cruise missiles will fly in, and they inform the the air defense and say, "Okay, there's an air defense asset." Sharp, uh, for instance, an, an S-300 missile uh, uh, system. Uh, put on your radar uh, the 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 cruise missile the, the Russian cruise missiles coming from that and that that said that so they are really fighting uh, together with the Ukrainian air defense they are fighting uh, 
the war, uh, the air war uh, over uh, uh, the Ukraine. And also there are a lot of military advisors, uh, either from uh, so-called uh, private military companies, retired soldiers, or maybe active soldiers who um, are off duty, they are, for instance, on holidays in, Euro in, in the Ukraine, but they get, uh, get paid uh, a lot of money. So and you can imagine there's a, um, a former, maybe British uh, tank battalion commander on the side of a Ukrainian tank battalion commander. And uh, the British guy gives his uh, Ukrainian comrade the advice how to fight with, uh, for instance, the Challenger, Uh, uh, main battle tanks, which were delivered from uh, UK to Ukraine. Um, also, uh, Mac, uh, McGeorge, Colonel McGeorge, um, reported about uh, around 10,000 Polish uh, soldiers, uh, but not in Polish uniforms, uh, which were fighting in, uh, in the Ukrainian war. So this is, a, from my perspective, it's a NATO uh, fought war together, was a close co in close contact um, with Ukrainian armed forces. Na NATO is a party of that war. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, that's quite a, uh, a statement. We get back to that after the next rounds of advertisements because um, I just read in Foreign Policy Journal The Big War, the, um, another article which gives an outline of a similar situation with China. Let's talk about that after the ads. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Stop letting leftists set the agenda. Stop letting them turn nothing burgers into the most pressing issues of the day. Stop letting them use words like inclusion, equity, fairness, and diversity as cudgels to beat you into submission. Stop bowing, stop scraping, stop bending the knee, and stop giving them what they desire, an abject apology, assuring them that they'll get their way and everything will be fine. Because it won't be fine. That won't be the last complaint. Every time you submit to them, you encourage them. You give them more fuel for their next attack, and it will go on for decades. The Onondaga Nation complained to Syracuse University about the Saltine Warrior mascot in 1978. And here we are, 45 years later, the Onondaga Nation is complaining to Liverpool High School about using Warriors as their athletic mascot. For 45 years it was fine, but now all of a sudden in 2023 it's not. Stop giving in to this culture of destruction. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. People might tell you that Lyme doesn't kill people, but we are losing people. People disappear from their lives. One of the scariest things that I had to deal with was uh, memory loss. Not just like I don't remember what I did last week, but like I forgot all the words to my own songs. I remember going to my primary care physician and he was like, you are 100% healthy, there's nothing wrong with you. And my response was, that's impossible, I'm dying. I wasn't working. I had all of these hospital bills. We had to move out of our home and move into my parents' basement. I just wish I could have truly been present in those big moments, you know, when she took her first steps or, you know, her first day of preschool. 
Lyme is such a thief and it goes undetected because no one is looking for it. For more information and prevention tips, go to projectlime.org. This is the Dirk Pullman Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And my guest is Jürgen Rose, former Lieutenant Colonel of the German Air Force. And we were discussing, or he just made the statement that he thinks it's a NATO war, a US NATO war, where there's direct involvement um, from the Western side in this conflict. And I don't doubt that. It's just that we never hear that here on our mainstream media in Germany. So um, I'd like to get into another area um, of discussion because I just read a very disturbing article which was called The Big One in Foreign Affairs. It was written by Andrew F. Krepinovich Jr., who is a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute and also he's at the Center for New American Security. That sounds a lot like New American Century. but. Uh, so um, the main why it is so disturbing is that he discusses the possibility of a war with China and how to keep it under the nuclear threshold. So a similar situation, he also writes about Ukraine, like the war in Ukraine, where you have a confrontation really going on now between the superpowers, the main superpowers, uh, both of them about 7000 warheads nuclear warheads. This is idiocy, um, I would call that. It is kind of a Russian roulette. That would be another. Exp uh, how did we get into that? And then if we can, have you heard about this article? Uh, I mean, it's uh, the the idea of um, now that the Ukraine war is kind of phasing out um, in, uh, in importance um, and there are plans to end it, the plan B that you mentioned. How did we get into that really? That is so incredible in a way after you if i mean i and you are about the same age i recall gorbachev uh, and how did we get there from 1989 into the situation where we have superpower confrontations on the planning board yeah i think the reason for that uh, overall is uh, us american hybris uh, there are some reports of uh, the the U.S. Uh, uh, Congressional Research uh, Service on uh, military interventions uh, in the history of the U.S. from 1776 until uh, the, the present, and also by by the Tufts. It's University. about 250 wars, and only counting the wars, yeah. not the yeah, yeah. not the color yeah, revolutions yeah. and coups and so on. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is uh, the, the this is an, a very interesting. A uh, very interesting uh, point. Uh, they figured out that uh, uh, the point is that uh, the U United States uh, Empire, uh, the United States is a, is it's a war nations. They they are founded on war, on on, on the on the mass murder of the uh, Indian population on on the slavery, and uh, you can reach uh, can read in the military intervention pro project from the Tufts University that there were uh, over 500 international military interventions uh, since uh, 1776 and 60% uh, of that were between interestingly between 1950 and 2017 
or mm-hmm. uh, but in, in the second half of the last century in the beginning of the, that century and uh, one third of these 500 international military interventions occurred after 1999 so uh, this was uh, the f- the first um, um, war of aggression um, against uh, the republic of yugoslavia at that time and uh, Afterwards, the the, the 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 experience was okay. We can do that, mm-hmm. and uh, we will successful. But uh, this is a great error. But uh, as Einstein said, uh, craziness is defined by uh, doing uh, always the same, continuously the same, and uh, uh, with the, uh, with the hope to get another uh, result. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> I, th- I think uh, that's uh, the way how um, this violent way uh, of, of international relations, that's the character of the United States em- uh, em- Empire. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, as I told you... I'd like, uh, to, uh, I'd like to get into that for a short moment because on, on our last yeah. part before the ads, you were talking about these the war, this kind of war that was going on in Ukraine. And I happened, um, I did a documentary on that. And this was going on in the Baltic states. They had the so-called Forest Brothers, which were used for that. And that was Operation Jungle, which was supported also by forces from the German Navy. Uh, Admiral Kluge was the one who, um, with speedboat, German speedboats uh, bringing yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, guerrillas into into the Baltic state. And then there was uh, Operation Aerodynamic after World War II. And I had interviewed one of these people who were dropped as uh, a parachute agent. He was a Belarusian person, and he was trained in Germany by people from the Galen organization, uh, they, who were then BND. So in both cases, you had... Uh, the Germans were doing what they did in World War II uh, as a rehearsal of what they uh, then did that in in this. And it's hardly known. I think hardly anybody knows. For me, when I looked at what was going on in Ukraine then, it looked like uh, you have the old TV show, which was uh, Operation Aerodynamic, and you just had it on again. And then, but then, and also you were now mentioning, which I find very interesting, that I mean, if you if you talk about a defense ministry, <laughs> a ministry of defense in the United States, that's a joke because yeah. uh, uh, it, it is uh, always uh, it's the best defendable country in the world. It is an island yeah. in the middle. Uh, there's nobody who can attack it. So why do you need a military? The biggest military, half of the military spending in the world is from the United States. The other half is all the other nations combined. And uh, that is uh, uh, that's incredible to see. Uh, so, um, it isn't it clear from that that the only the only kind of policy. And I think this is what we see. There is no peace policy any, anymore. It's all military intervention, because uh, the basis of uh, is this huge amount of military with a thousand bases all around the world. If you you can count to six from six hundred to thousand depending how you count it and you said 500 wars i was 250 was after world war ii and then you see yeah. they more they are superior the day more wars they uh they start to uh, to break uh start to to establish as a as a means of policy so um and do you think this will work with china the the planning now that you uh planning uh to have uh the big one as it's called this article 
the big one, the big war with China and but to contain China, because economically, probably no possibility for the US to do it. The only possibility is military. But your thoughts on that? Uh, it's not my it's my show, yeah. but I want to hear you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, let's perhaps start with uh, one of the most uh, important guys who uh, is responsible for uh, the Cold War. This was George F. Kennan. And Kennan uh, was uh, at the uh, embassy of, of uh, uh, Moscow, of, of the Soviet Union, uh, during the Second World War and afterwards, shortly afterwards. And then he uh, went to the um, State Department and he, he sent uh, the famous cables from Moscow. And uh, in one of the cables, he said, uh, we have 50% of the welfare uh, of, uh, of, of the planet but we have only 6.3% of the population. And uh, that's the reason why other people don't like that. We, they, want, uh, they want more justice and we, we the US, we want to, our goal is to keep upright this injustice, this imbalance uh, of wealth, um, uh, national wealth uh, on the planet. And uh, Uh, human rights, uh, the rise of uh, living standards, democrat uh, democratization, those are all unrealistic goals. This is not, uh, 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 this is idealistic. We don't, we can't operate with, with such a policy. We have um, to do it by power, by military power. And you said uh, they have uh, uh, um, half of the military expenditure wor uh, worldwide is uh, by the US, but they have not only half of the military expenditures, they have also more than 800 military bases over mm. all the planet. <laughs> China has only one, yes. one single, <laughs> one single military base in Djibouti. Djibouti, the Horn of Africa. Right? Yeah, yeah, the Horn of Africa. And um, of course, the, why do the American uh, that? To keep up, right, this imbalance uh, Kennan was talking about to, to, uh, to control uh, the geo-economics of the planet uh, for their own favor. And now switching, and, and of course, they, are, they try to, to keep down all possible uh, uh, concurrencies. Competitors, there Competitor. should be, yeah. There's no uh, no uh, no other power uh, uh, is allowed to to uh, to become so mighty as uh, the U.S. empire, and this is a problem, the so-called Tukidides uh, problem. Tukidides was a Tukidides trap. Yeah. Trap, yeah. Uh, he he was a Greece uh, uh, historian. He, he talked about it, um, and uh, we have the problem that there's an yeah, uprising. To just explain that shortly, it was the war between Sparta okay. and Athens, and he said uh, that uh, uh, that Sparta would not accept the rise of Athens, um, and this is the real reason behind the war of Sparta and Athens, and that was very reasonable. Uh, you could say the start of history writing because he was looking for the real reasons, not for some myth or what somebody told, but. Yeah. What, exactly. what happened? So, yeah. Okay. Exactly. And we have exactly the same problem right now between the US. Uh, this is a traditional uh, uh, a worldwide power, global power, and, uh, and China. 
but China is not a global power. It's maybe on on, on the economic sector, but not mm. on a military sector as the U.S. And the yes, uh, the United States approach is uh, we open our markets and we control the markets uh, and we safeguard the markets by military means. Uh, this uh, a very good example for that was in the um, 19th century when um, commander <laughs> com no no com earlier commander perry okay. uh, get into in the in, in, in uh, tokyo and said okay open your market um, uh, or we do it by force and and uh, this was uh, the japanese uh, shogun reacted and and he indeed he opened the market because he had had no chance with uh, bows and arrows against uh, the, uh, the the modern uh, american warships and uh, right now uh, uh, the the problem is that uh, china china not only the economic uh, growth of china but also the the expansion of the military power and you have a, 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 um, a similar situation if you look to the events to the conflicts with russia since uh, 2008 in 2008 you had um the 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 uh, how can you say the uh, the first case why a test case a te this was a test case for the conflict in georgia because what happened what had happened in Ge georgia at that time uh there were the georgian uh, georgian armed forces which were uh, trained, exercised, and and um, uh, uh, fit out with uh, uh, U.S. weapon systems, and uh, though though they uh, the U.S. Uh, made them war capable, and uh, then they went to the former president Saakashvili and said, "Okay, the Russians are standing in uh, in your country in Abkhazia." And three minutes to go, just that you know. Uh, three minutes to uh, go. Okay. Okay, and. Um, then he, uh, Georgia started the war against uh, Russia to reconquer Southern Ossetia. Uh, the Russians reacted by military means. They won that war. So the this the, uh, the United States could see how the Russians will react in the same way when they acted in uh, in the Ukraine. The same kind uh, of, 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 of policy. And right now we have in China, we have the problem with Taiwan. And mm. the, the, that, uh, the, the Chinese say Taiwan is an integral part of China. The US have accepted this in international treaties together. Several had, times. Sorry, yeah. Several times. So mm. the problem right now is that uh, the trigger for the war is not in Peking. The trigger is in Washington. Washington just has to support um, a, a freedom and an independence moving in in Taiwan to uh, to get in a, a president in Taiwan who declares independence, and that will be for sure hundred percent the case of war. So Washington is in the in the situation that Washington decides that if there will be war in uh, in in chi against China or in Taiwan or not, so they they are in control of the situation, and that's a problem. And they, I think um, they will make use of uh, of this favorable situation uh, at that moment when they come to the clue right now. Yet now is the right uh, situation, the right point in time to attack China or to. The, the, 
that's a strategy of the US. The other has to uh, to shoot to to make the first shoot, and then you can react. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a famous uh, author, uh, author um, uh, named uh, Stefan Possoni. He said it, that uh, the, um, the 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 art of uh, provoking wars, and mm -hmm. uh, the, as well as uh, in former times the UK, right now the US, they know how to provoke wars, and this mm -hmm. is, I think, the real danger of the world right now. Yes, um, that is very interesting because you could, uh, this article that I just mentioned, the big one, this is the first test balloon uh, to have this uh, as a as a possible possible way. So it's floated and you can get angry about it, but then um, it's already in the in the circulation and the blood circulation of the uh, sun. So thank you very much. We are three seconds away from the news oh, and thank you very welcome. much, Mr. Rose. Okay. Welcome.